You're listening to the Ticker Podcast from IR Magazine, a roundup of this week's leading stories and industry comment from the world of investor relations. Hi, everybody. The attention span of internet surfers isn't what it once was. A couple of decades ago, investors browsing the internet had an attention span of about 12 seconds. Now, well, today that's dropped to an astounding 8 seconds. On today's program, we'll uncover some of the latest tips and techniques you can use to convince a potential investor to A, visit your website, and B, maybe stick around just long enough to consider investing in your company. I mean, a website should really be a 24-hour IR tool. And there's no reason why it shouldn't be. I mean, all the tools are available, and if done right, it can be that. In conversation with Lender Media's Arash Adnani, he's just published a white paper outlining seven key things IROs ought to consider for their digital marketing strategy. That's coming up after this week's Ticker News Update. China's security regulator has warned new economy companies not to inflate their valuations in the pre-IPO stage. Pointing to large price swings following a string of recent IPOs, the China Securities Regulatory Commission wants issuers, underwriters, and institutional investors to, quote, exercise caution in the IPO book-building process. Several new economy companies have quickly plunged from their peaks or fallen below their offer prices after being listed in Hong Kong. Investors are flocking back to U.S. equities. With a record-high favorable expectation for profits, allocations have climbed 16%, according to Bank of America Merrill Lynch's June Fund Manager survey. Still, concerns about over-leveraged corporate balance sheets are also at an all-time high, suggesting hard times ahead. Neri has updated its earnings guidance policy. The new policy discourages members from offering quarterly guidance estimates, suggesting that it drives short-termism. Instead, companies should consider offering annual guidance that's updated quarterly. IR Magazine's Ben Ashwell asked Neary Board Chair-elect Ron Parham about how the shift to long-term focus could affect the relationship between the sell side and IR teams. One of the things that we've heard from the groups that we've been speaking to who are, are you know, focused on this topic is that public companies need to look very closely at which audience they primarily serve. And we have heard from these groups that really, you know, public public companies have a responsibility to their shareholders, their owners, their institutional holders and individual holders as the uh, owners of the company. And and secondarily, not that it's insignificant, but secondarily to uh, the sell side uh, portion of the business. So I think what this policy does is it encourages or this updated policy, it really encourages companies to uh, take a step back and and place those audiences in, in uh, their sort of proper priority and make sure that they're crafting their guidance uh, in a way that is going to be most useful for their investor base. 
new policy statement doesn't altogether do away with the practice of quarterly guidance. It notes that it may be appropriate for a company to provide a more short-term estimate to address seasonality or market volatility or to be consistent with competitors. Finally, software services company Infosys was the center of attention at the inaugural IR Magazine Awards India. IRO Sandeep Mahindru picked up the gongs for Best Investor Relations Officer and Best Investor Relations Team in the large cap category. Other winners included RPG, which won the award for Best Investor Meetings, CEAT for Best Small to Mid-Cap IR Team, and Minda Corporation's Deepak Balwani was named as Best Investor Relations Officer in the Small to Mid-Cap category. Despite being one of the most, if not the most, important channel for investor communication, many IR websites are pretty stale. IR Magazine surveyed over 600 investor relations professionals worldwide, and we found one-fifth said they hadn't revamped their website in at least three years. And 7% wait more than five years before giving their site a refresh. Vancouver-based Blender Media has launched over 500 websites for more than 300 clients. I began my conversation with Blender Media President Arash Adnani by asking him, "What's with that? <laughs> Does that? You know what? It's so it's no, it's definitely not a good idea to wait that long. I think part of the problem is that the process of redesigning a website or creating a brand new website." I think oftentimes can be overwhelming for people, right? Mm-hmm. And it's important for that reason to work with groups that are experienced, but not only experienced, understand the space really well. So um, in the case of investor relations website, you know, I can count on one hand number of agencies in North America that can do the job and our, our group, Blender, being part of that group. And the reason why that's important, I think, is because we spent so much time understanding and researching what the best practices are and what best in class really means for IR website. And so if you're an IRO uh, or a part of an IR team and you've been tasked with starting a new website, that saves you a lot of time if you're working with a group that can come to the table with ideas and recommendations and help guide the project. So really, the job of the client being the issuer, the IR team, becomes more so focused on thinking about strategy. What do we want our IR website to achieve in the perfect world? What ideal outcomes will it generate? And I think in that when you when you think about it that way, then it makes total sense to update it more frequently because a company's IR strategy and communication strategy changes frequently. And in addition to that, web technology and web trends change, I mean, annually. Every year there's new ideas and new tools and right. new ways of, of engaging with your users online. So, you know, I think five years is, is a long time. I think that, uh, I think, you know, two to three years is, is recommended. And I think with each round, you really want to uh, think strategy, right? And and think about what those goals and objectives are and how allow that to 
dictate what the game plan should be for your new website. Do you find companies tend to go with these IR-specific website experts or, um, uh, you know, corporate, just plain corporate designers? When we're doing our research, most companies, most public companies, we can see are using one of these uh, IR website experts, right? So I think most companies see the value in that. But also, I think this group of five, let's say, uh, we're also very proactive in, in branding ourselves and reaching out to these companies. So I think from a brand awareness standpoint, they, they know us. And when they speak to us, they, they realize real fast that, that we understand the space intimately and we can really play that role where they can focus on strategy and we can bring to the table the ideas on how to execute that strategy. What tools can we incorporate to achieve those goals and, and objectives that they've outlined as part of their uh, overall strategy for IR sites? So yeah, I, I do believe that a, a good chunk of the market is actually with the small group of agencies that specialize in the space. Do you want to fly Blender's flag for a moment? Anything that um, sets your operation apart? Yeah, there is. You know, the best way I, I describe Blender is that our roots are actually in marketing. Hmm. And so that's why we always look at IR through the lens of communication and marketing. And the reason why that's important is because, you know, marketing is trying to convey a idea, a message, right? And that's exactly what IR is doing on a daily basis. You're trying to convey the story of your company, the most recent quarterly results. You're trying to convey and explain financials. And so why not use recipes that are known to marketers that work and help convey messages and stories in a fashion that's easy to understand, easy to digest, and in a fashion that allows you to engage your, your audience. Our roots and background is in that. It is in marketing. Now, as a company, we're really a hybrid of a, a digital agency and a, a technology provider. So our thinking was that we wanted Blender to be a one-stop shop. So if a company talks to us and they want to talk about a new website, we can provide the strategy, collaborate on the strategy, the design, the back-end development, and the ongoing hosting and support with content updates and with just management of the website. And we do that by having developed our own content management system, the Blender CMS, that gives a website a user backend that the client can use to update and, and we use to update the website. Mm. And the goal of it was to make it user-friendly. And if you can use Gmail and you can use, you know, any any sort of interface for simple uh, tools, online tools, you can use the CMS. It's extremely intuitive and, and easy to use. So so that's kind of really how we're, we're unique, I would say, is that we really try to provide that turnkey solution so that... Um, the client doesn't have to go and, and source out vision to a different group. That one-stop shop suppresses the overwhelm when an IR thinks about redesigning. Uh, yeah, that's exactly it. And I think when you look at, you know, for example, the, the white paper with the seven points, mm -hmm. the way we look at a website from, let's say, the beginning where you're talking about strategy until it's developed and it's live, it doesn't end there. Once a website is live, it's not like, you know, that Kevin Costner movie, Field of Dreams. It's not like if you build it, they will come. No, once the website is live, 
now you got to actually put in work to help drive healthy traffic to your website, right? And so our, our thinking with that white paper was to let's cover key points at every stage of a website's life cycle, right? So from the, the actual overall strategy of the content to how to create dynamic content because the website has static content and dynamic content, right? And then how to actually capitalize on that content so you're helping drive qualified and targeted traffic to your website. I mean, a website should really be a 24-hour IR tool. It should work like that. Like, it should be truly an extension of the IR team. And there's no reason why it shouldn't be. I mean, all the tools are available, and if done right, it can be that. This podcast's challenge is the same. Astonishingly great content. How do you get people to come listen? Exactly. That's exactly. Well, you know, we'll have, a, we'll have another call. And we'll talk about that. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, listen. It's it's uh, we we come across this a lot. So we'll have uh, a situation where we're speaking to a client and they want to spend a lot of money on, let's say, you know, some sort of um, you know, some sort of let's say VR uh, site visit of their operation, and it's it's great. I mean, it's it's an idea we actually mentioned in our in our white paper as a way to. Uh, create a robust website is having these more interactive experiences on there. But if I'm thinking about it and I'm thinking, okay, let's say we want to spend anywhere from $20,000 to $80,000 creating a virtual reality experience on our website that gives the users that, that real life experience of what it feels like to be at our, let's say, operation. If you spend that much, you should probably also set aside a budget for awareness so people know that you have this on your website. And people are actually coming to it and using it, right? Again, it's, it's not a type of situation where you can create it and then just expect people to find out about it because it's well made. No, you need to you need to go out there and, and get traffic, get qualified users to come back and and to use these tools that that you've developed for your website. Okay, let's let's get into your white paper. Uh, tip number one is a good tip. Infographics and interactive charts will increase engagement and attention span. I love interactive charts. When Yahoo first came out uh, with uh, interactive uh, stock charts uh, years ago, it was like a video game for me. You could mess with them nine ways till Tuesday. You know you know what, Jeff? You just hit the nail on the head. Part of the reason why making a chart interactive is so much better than just having a static chart or a graph is because it allows the user to engage and play with it. And by the user doing that, you're achieving two things. They're actually spending more time on your website, number one. But number two, by engaging with the content, the user is actually memorizing that content much better than just glancing it over. So the idea behind this is it's actually research and proven. If you think about, this is kind of the 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 base strategy that uh, game, uh, brain exercise apps like Luminosity use. If you've ever used one of those apps, you'll you'll know that you're engaging and 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 kind of using the content in a very interactive way, which is allowing your brain to really absorb it. And it, it's, it's why it's a brain exercise game. So, if you're a company and you want your users to really focus on those key metrics that define your company and your company's success. Why not bring those metrics and, and create these visually beautiful charts and graphs 
and make them interactive, like allow the user to actually work with it in a way where they can understand that data at a much deeper level. I'll give you an example, actually. We are working with a company right now. They're they're still private, but they're going public. They're a Bitcoin mining company, mm-hmm. okay? And the Bitcoin mining company, your, let's say, biggest challenge, okay, for being profitable is cost of energy. And in addition to that, the other variables uh, as far as examining your profitability model is the difficulty of, of the uh, mining equation, the number of machines that you have, et cetera. So we actually built a Bitcoin mining calculator for their website. And you can actually put in all the different data points in there and see how much money you can make based on the different variables. And what's really cool about it is they actually use it in investor meetings. So if an investor asks them, you know, what if the cost of energy goes up, they can just plug that in right there in the calculator and show them what, what happened. So that, that kind of example is so much more interesting and so much more exciting than just having a slide on your deck or on your website that's, uh, you know, a pie chart. You know what I mean? Right. You can play with it. it. It sort of engages, you know, the play center of our brains, I guess. And I guess that's attached to the learning center of our brains. Exactly. And the chances of someone actually finding that interesting and then maybe sharing it with someone else at their office or another person that might be following the company or the story, it actually increases that chance of people talking about it more and sharing it. It's a big opportunity because not a lot of companies are doing it. So if, if companies, more companies start to do it, you will definitely stand out from your peers. So bottom line, make it interactive. Yeah, and, it, it's, and it's also important to keep in mind, we're not saying make your entire website interactive. No one's saying that. It's going to be some sort of split, right? Mm-hmm. You still want to have a portion of your website that is very, let's say, recognizable to users, right? It's it's like the same site map and structure. So when users come on there, they know where to find things. It's intuitive. But I think there's room if let's say we're, we're if we're doing the 90% 10% split. So 90% can be following current strategies. The other 10% open it up. Do some experimenting with your with your information, right? And I think the best way to decide what information to focus on Focus on your priority information. Like, what are the priority uh, data that you guys use to communicate with investors with? And create something with that. It Mm. doesn't have to be your entire online presence. That that wouldn't be smart. Tip two. Outsource your SEO strategy and execution. Okay, why would you want to do that? Why not do it yourself? If you know how to do it, then 100% you should be doing it yourself. But... If you haven't done any SEO work on your website, that means one of two things. Either you don't have the in-house capability or you don't have the bandwidth. Hmm. Either way, that's not good. So I think some very basic SEO at at the very least is is very much so required because it allows you to just have healthier uh, search results on on Google and really any other search engines that uh, that are out there. And it also, I think, it makes you think about your content in a different way. It makes, your, makes you think about your content in a way that's better for your users because it allows you to really incorporate more of those key words that are required to, let's say, uh, describe your company and explain your, your business. So I think SEO is, is a very 
almost fundamental thing that most websites need to have. But I can tell you that a lot of IR sites don't have it. And uh, I think it's a great investment to, uh, to add that. I think having your search increase is a positive thing. Now you're going to have companies that are big brands and, and maybe for them SEO isn't as a big deal. But if you're a smaller company or a brand or a name that's not as well known, it's all about visibility. Right. And I think SEO allows you to do that. And it really, it can, it can help generate a lot more inbound interest and, and traffic to your website. It's back to what we kind of started our conversation with. You can have all these pretty shiny bells and whistles, but um, if nobody's coming to see them, they're a waste of money. Exactly. Okay. Tip number three. Invest in paid search. Pardon my ignorance. I've heard of paid research. Um, paid search? Paid search is different. So paid search, uh, it's similar to the same outcomes you get for SEO. So let's say with search engine um, optimization, the type of work you're doing is very organic, right? So it takes time to eventually get the results that you're looking for. With paid, it's immediate, right? So you can go on, on Google AdWords and you can say that when someone does a search for, let's say, uh, do let's say it's for corporate governance, right? So corporate governance, best practices. So you guys can go out and actually pay to have your ads appear on the first page or on different ad spots when someone searches for corporate governance, best practices. So it's just a, a great way of fast tracking your website's visibility for targeted keywords. Now, depending on how popular those keywords are, then the cost of what you're paying will vary. If it's something that is, you know, you know, for example, earlier in the year when Bitcoin was on fire and everyone was talking about it, I'm sure if someone was doing a campaign where they were trying to target Bitcoin as a keyword, they were paying a lot of money for that. Okay. Tip four. If your website isn't mobile optimized, now is the time. Do we even have to talk about this? I think if your your website isn't mobile compatible, you, you shouldn't be allowed to have a website. I mean, seriously. We we debated if we should even put it in, but you know what? There's still some sites out there that are, aren't responsive, so we put it in there, man. There's still there's still there's still companies out there that don't have responsive websites. That is basically anti-advertising. It's almost like being like anti-social. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. you don't want you don't you don't want your people to see you and to talk about you and to learn about you. You talk about uh, in the white paper. You mentioned Google has created a handy tool here to uh, check if your website is mobile friendly. Um, yeah, it's actually it's pretty cool. You just uh, we included a link there, so you just put in your uh, website's uh, URL. And Google will run the, the test for you. And it, it analyzes uh, um, kind of the page load speed, the, the, the way the site's been structured, and it gives you a score. Huh. It's actually pretty cool because even if your website is mobile, you know, you can still get some ideas on, you know, how to improve it. One way you say to improve it is um, a simple designs. They work best. Yeah, you know, uh, the kind of the the creation of, of websites and website design always goes through 
a lot of different phases, right? It went through kind of a phase where sites were getting really busy and now, you know, sites are getting much more cleaner and the kind of that minimal look and feel is, is much more popular. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, design shouldn't be looked at as just a kind of a visual aesthetic thing. I think design should be looked at as, as a way to help support a strategy, right? And so if your strategy is to help communicate certain facts about your company, the design needs to support that. And so it needs to make the user experience uh, much more improved, right? And again, I think you do that by not uh, overwhelming your users with too much content. I notice more websites are doing scrolling, no links. Yeah. I like it. I like it. I, it keeps you oriented. I use tabs, uh, but then I have to go back and click on a bazillion tabs. Um, but scrolling sites suggest uh, all is on the same same page. It's all on the same page. And, and the way, you know, the, the good thing about doing it that way is because if you have, let's say, one of these longer scrolling pages, the content should be very fluid. And what I mean by that is the content, the way you organize it from the top of the page down, it should really tell a story, right? Mm. So at the top of the page, it might be the, let's say, about us and then, you know, why us, like why we're unique. Here's what we do. Here's, let's say, some of our clients and here's some happy testimonials, right? That order of content, it's almost like a nice storyboarded order where if you start from the top and then go to the bottom, mm-hmm. by being on one page, you got a pretty good idea of the company's story and their core competency and their biggest client. It's more of a gestalt. Yeah, it, it, I just, it just makes for a more, I think, seamless user experience. Okay, um, let's talk about user experience. Tip five is a cool tip. Consider VR 360-degree video as part of your strategy. My wife and I do a lot of camping, and um, the state parks in New York State are all, they all use drones or 360-degree sort of Google Street View. Uh, and, and it used to be, um, until very recently, that booking a campsite at a sort of an unfamiliar site was um, it was pretty hit and miss. Um, you can't really tell a lot about a, a site just from a map, but this new technology is kind of a lifesaver for us. Same, same deal with IR, I guess. It's, like you said, it just gives you such a better understanding of lay of the land, right? Now, with IR, I get it. We're not talking about you know large outdoor spaces, but with some companies, we're talking about large or sometimes not large, but interesting machinery, right? Whether that be inside a laboratory or it might be inside some sort of production facility or in the case of the TK Corp example, which is basically like a shipping uh, freight company, uh, it'd be their vessels, right? These, these large shipping containers and ships. Mm. So I think, you know, there's one thing to and kind of going back to the first tip about data, right? And making data interactive. It's really interesting for users to also remind them that there is like an actual company with big, large, you know, machines and assets and, and properties and mines and uh, laboratories. And to give the user that that view of it, that behind the scenes or whatever you want to call it, it really helps them understand the story so much better. Because too many times we get so caught up in the PowerPoint 
and the slides and, and the financials. And I understand those, those are really how you learn and, and, and measure a company's success, but also helps to really understand the, the scope of, of which they're, what they're doing. I think it's great. I think, I think, you know, so much of IR is, uh, about numbers that sometimes we miss the storytelling aspect of it. And I think when you combine the numbers with the storytelling and the visuals, then you have a much more compelling case. Tip six. Use the power of social media. Again, Arash, you are blowing my mind. But you cite in your white paper, and it's a Neary research report, that almost um, three quarters... (laughs) Of higher professionals say they do not use social media for work functions. Again, uh, what's with that? I, I thought basically uh... this one's another one that, that that's gotten beat up a lot over the years, but <laughs> it remains to be true. I mean, social works. I know a lot of companies are scared of it, but it works. It's just really the best way to look at it is just another channel of communication. You know, you don't need to create original content just for social. You can you can use your social media channels for posting press releases, uh, for posting highlights. You can use your social for telling more, let's say, a uh, personal story about the company, its, its team members, whether it be the management team or other members of the team. I mean, there's so much you can do with social. And I think that as long as you have uh, some sort of internal guideline, mm-hmm. so uh, that guideline explains, you know, what you can talk about, what you can't talk about, and what the general uh, rules of, of using social are, then I think you should be doing it because it's, first of all, very easy and it's, and it's free and it just helps with getting a story out and, and increasing your, your brand and stories awareness. Okay, and okay, okay, and, and this is a juicy section. There's a bunch of neat little tips and insights and so on in the white paper. Um, Social media is a is a whole different ballgame with different rules and so on. And our listeners can go and check that out. But let's move on to your seventh and final tip. Engage your CEO within your marketing strategy. People want to hear from the CEO. People want to hear from management. Analysts want it. Investors, whether it's retail, institutional, they want it, right? I think a good way of thinking about it is it's just planning for it. So if you have a set of questions that you have your CEO answer once a month, hmm. and they can be questions that cover the industry as a whole, they cover the company's activities. And this can even be done in a Q&A, like a, like a written, um, typed out Q&A that just goes on your website. If you approach it with some, let's say, uh, structure and you organize it in advance, it's not going to take a lot of time to execute something like that, especially if it's going on your website, it's just a, uh, like an article. Now, let's say you do that. If you want to now step it up and yeah, you can do a video now, right? You can, you can easily or very cost effectively, I would say, uh, be able to shoot CEO videos where your CEO again is, is covering certain themes and topics of the market and themes and topics of the company. And kind of maintaining this this narrative with your with your audience that's different from the very formal press releases or the very formal ways that the company uh, makes announcements, but it's more just coming from the CEO's mouth, right? Of course, the the, the message is going to be consistent with what the company is putting out there anyway, but it's coming from the CEO, and I think 
I think users, your audience, and your your stakeholders appreciate that kind of access. And it, it, it builds it builds bonds. You're establishing kind of a personal link. Here's the face of your company. Here's the the person I think you're so. investing. I, I think it'd be really interesting if from time to time it's the CEO and, and someone else speaking. Maybe it's the CEO and the CTO or the CEO and the IRO. Maybe sometimes it's the IRO and the CFO. Hmm. I mean, you know, you have a team of brilliant people, right? And and they're all so knowledgeable on the space and, and the company. Why not share more of that knowledge? I think to me, and, and Jeff, I kid you not, out of all the seven examples, to me, that's the most important one. It's by far the most important one. And guess what? It's actually the easiest one as well because it, the content exists. It's, it's, in, it's in their brain, right? You just have to figure out how do I get that out and get it out in a way where it's kind of like a, almost like a scheduled thing, like, you know, like your podcast or <laughs> just like, like a uh, podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Just like content, like a content schedule. Right. And like you can plan the whole year in advance, or maybe that's too far along. Maybe you do six months. Okay. Month one will be the IRO and the CEO. Month two will be the CEO, CFO. Month three will be the CF, CFO, CTO. And maybe the last four, month four or five, Will be everyone like a roundtable. What do you think of what do you think of actually doing a podcast? Um, not just putting it on the site, but but literally putting it on iTunes and Google and Flipboard and and whatever. Just just putting it out there. Is, is, do you worry about you know sending people away from your site or you know? No, because you can have it. You can also have it embedded on your website. I don't think that's a problem. And in fact, even if you don't host it on your website, it's just on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you put it. It's okay. It's okay for that content to exist outside of your website. Because if the content's good, and it will be good if it's done right, it's going to bring people back to your website. Or it's going to have the same effect that your website would have if someone was on your website. It's just building positive brand equity. Rashid Nani, thanks for joining us on The Ticker. Thank you. You can download Blender Media's white paper, Digital Marketing for IR, 7 Tips for 2018 at irmagazine.com. That's all for your Ticker Podcast this week. Subscribe on iTunes. And if you've got comments, email us a voice memo. Don't forget this coming Thursday, June 28th, London, England, the annual IR Magazine Awards Europe. Book your seats today and join the continent's shiniest IR glitterati as we fet the profession's finest. And as per use, the awards ceremony will once again follow on the Euro Think Tank. That's a networking and knowledge event exclusively for senior corporate IR pros. You'll find everything you need to know about both occasions on IR Magazine's website. Thanks for listening. In Montreal, I'm Jeff Cossette. You've been listening to the Tinker Podcast from IR Magazine. For free access to all the latest global investor relations news and analysis, register at irmagazine.com or download the app.